Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Say Things, episode 134. Suns fan here with Cinderin. We are sponsored by Manscaped today. Cheers to 2022 and resolutions you can actually keep. Please stop highlighting because I can't read that, Cinderin. Thank you. How about having clean and shiny balls all year round? Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to save your balls this year and make the ball drop into 2022 the cleanest and sexiest ever. Set your first New Year's resolution with good intentions and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and insert the code WESAYTHINGS for 20% off and free shipping. Cinderin. Nice. And this is one of their products. It is the Weed Whacker. And you might be asking, if their products are so good, why do I have an unopened one? It's because they've sent me four of these for some reason. And I can't quite get through all of them yet. So they're just too good. You know, still stuck on the first one. Appreciate it. We have informed them. And um, (laughs) I guess they just want to give us a, you know, like when you get a year's supply of something that you win from a contest, we get live supply. Yeah, it is very nice supply for sure. Uh, all right, let's do our patron shout outs and then we can talk about why there was no episode <laughs> last week. Uh, all right, I'll start. Thank you to Vovalicious. My Bulgarian balls are delicious. Roundy three. My name is not Calvin Klein, mom. It's Marty. This is where you say what movie that's from, Cinderin. Uh, that's from uh, Back to the Future. Man, you've actually seen it. It's almost like we've had this conversation no. before. Games. I... Wait, did you have you seen it? I don't. Maybe some of it. Jesus. All right, we're not gonna. I'm not gonna ask any more questions about it because it's just gonna tilt me. Games yes. for falling asleep would play much more ability draft if it would track some Dota Plus progression for the random hero. Disco Farm D, Vincent Darkseas, Semper Pi, Hakuna Matata, Commander Donut, Bread Sheeran, Chakar, Chakar's Still an Asshole, Mumba Munich, or Mumbai, Mumbai. sorry, Mumbai Mumba. Munich. There's, the eye was hidden. The Mega Pope, one year of shilling for New Zealand on this podcast, and no results come on team Get It Done, TI in New Zealand, and Zan Xavier. Thank you. And Nate Thicko zero one Hamscroats Bacon. What do you? Who do you guys think has the biggest dick in the Dota universe? It's still a Titan. Shark TM Novi Panda Dop. Nothing to see here. Underscore man Ben Broomhead lives in Australia, so a TI in New Zealand would be extremely Poggers Champus. Let's make it happen. Poggers Champus is um, sounds like a Latin thing that went extinct. Pitch black wooden aftertaste. Done talk anonymous. And finally, our favorite. Fun fact, friend, 
Peter, all that remains of the city of Babylon is a mound of broken mud buildings about 55 miles south of Baghdad, Niebling. Thank you guys so much, as always, for being in the Inbruge tier. If you want to support the podcast via Patreon, uh, there's different reward tiers with some small cute perks on patreon.com slash we say things. Thank you guys once again so much for making this worthwhile for us and for supporting us over yes. all these many, many, many months that we're climbing up to, Shannon. And as a matter of fact, we can segue that into the fact that we've actually done technically 135 episodes. But... Yeah. But uh, last week, the reason there's no episode is because Cinder and I recorded. Uh, and it's, it's an hour and nine minute episode. And afterwards, I looked at the recording and Cinderin's voice was never recorded. Um, it felt, I, was, I mean, go ahead. What was your reaction? No, I was just going to say I was so funny last episode. It was actually my best performance ever. And Yago, you guys will never know how funny I was. Yeah, I even I would never know because I wasn't listening half the time. Yeah, that's uh, true. So this is so. First of all, this was bound to happen. It f- feels like eventually. So the thing is, when we're recording an episode not at our normal time, and this one right now is an exception because this is live at a weird time for me. Uh, we always record locally so that we can post it at the regular time just for some continuity. And when we do that, I always have Cinderin record a backup. Always. Except for this time, for some reason, I figured I'd give Cinderin a break from doing nothing already on the podcast to doing <laughs> even less. Like, you know what? Let's give the young lad a break and not do... It's really hard. So this is why it didn't work. And I'm going to bash Discord a bit here, Cinderin, although I do use Discord for a lot of things. So we were casting DPC, and for some... So the way that... Obviously, I'm remote, and everybody's in studio. So the way that I hear everything is I join their Discord server, and I get to hear everything. And then my mic goes out, not on Discord, but on a different app like Google Hangouts or something like that. Okay? So this is the weird thing. For some reason, when I pop out a video so I can watch production it makes my computer a little laggy. And then during the cast, they ran an instant replay and it broke everything on my computer to the point where I couldn't hear Cinderin anymore. He couldn't hear me or maybe I was echoey. And I just was solo casting. And I, to my understanding, you were probably solo casting as well. Yeah. Just doing two separate casts. And then I just abandoned because I'm like, there's no way this is working. And then I restarted and... Uh, changed some devices and it worked. So what it did was it broke, like it changed my settings. I don't know how this is even possible. It changed my settings to what my mic is picking up, what my headphones are picking up, everything. So I thought I fixed everything and then we started recording and afterwards I realized that I hadn't actually changed all my settings yet, like from a default Windows perspective into OBS. So that's what happened. Fuck Discord. Virus. Right. So... All right, so just to summarize or to add to that, uh, the reason I'm in this room, which we talked about last week, but that you guys haven't heard yet, is we're covering the DPC. Yay! Two weeks Um, later. (laughs) We're almost done. (laughs) um, We've been covering the DPC, and uh, we're also casting something on Saturday together, I believe. Um, 
But yeah, that's uh, that's why I'm here. And you were also meant to be here, but you unfortunately had your appendicitis that we did talk about on the, on the podcast and which was recorded. Fortunately, that episode did not go into the void. Um, and what happened when, when we did the casting was that, so basically when you crashed the first time, the way production was set up, I started hearing myself in my ears when I was talking. Mm. So the moment I recognized that, I literally just said on broadcast live, I just said, I hear myself. And then I said nothing for two minutes. <laughs> so the game was just running with no casting. That was the one thing the crowd or the audience heard was, I hear myself. Then so I they and I waited. And I didn't know what happened with you, right? So I didn't know if they were hearing you at all. I just heard myself. So I just said, I hear myself. And then they came to me and they were like, okay, so here's what happened. Suns fan unfortunately won't come back. So you're solo casting the rest of the game and we fixed it so that you're on now. So then I cast the rest of the game on my own and it was great. Well, it was like five minutes left in the game to be fair. But wait, so I didn't actually go back. I didn't go back in the VOD. Do you know what people were hearing the whole time? Was it actually silence? Because I was literally solo casting for a full two minutes. I don't think you were being picked up at all. I I could be wrong about this, but I think they heard me say I'm hearing myself, and then I think there was no casting for two minutes, and the game was just playing. Mm. Yeah, that that's str- so. Now what I'm doing, if you guys have been watching us on DPC, I have obviously I have to have production feed on at some level, but it's like this little tiny window. I'm not popping it out. I'm not doing anything fancy. So I can see like when the transitions happen. But if there's a replay and I'm saying, yeah, that, that's an interesting move. I literally can't see what happened in the replay at all. So that's <laughs> 100% up to Cinderin to describe to me what happened in the fight. Uh, so yeah, that's what happened. You're doing a good job at not making that obvious. I, um, I actually, you. You, I mean, you've kind of put this ruse, uh, pulled this ruse on me for years, right? That you, you're good at pretending that you know what I just said. So yeah. You can also pretend that you know what you just saw. I'm exaggerating a little bit. I can see a little bit, so it's not completely blind. Okay, let's get on to the news of the week, which this is always bad news when we don't need to even bother coming up with a clickbait title because what actually happened is clickbaity enough. The Winter Major has been canceled by Volvo. Yeah. Uh, would you like to read what they wrote oh. in the blog post, Cinderin? Sure. Which you voice good... should I use? Well, you can use your somber voice because it's a very somber event here. Okay. Dota Pro Circuit 2021 to 2022 Winter Major Update, 12 January 2022. As the winter tour of the Dota Pro Circuit 2021 to 2022 season draws to a close, we've made the difficult decision to cancel the first major. While hopes were high that we could host an international LAN event, the discovery and spread of new strains of COVID-19 and the resulting increase of travel restrictions has made it unfeasible for all qualified teams to gather for a LAN tournament. As there will be no major, Tour 1 will conclude after all of the regional league tournaments have ended. Players who have participated in Fantasy will receive their rewards before the start of Tour 2. Thank God we wrote that very early in this post. That is very important to me. That was not (laughs) in there. Teams participating in the DPC earn points by playing in their respective regional leagues, as well as through international competition at the majors. Since the first major is no longer happening, we have decided to redistribute its points to the second and third major. This way, the balance of points between regional and cross-region play remains the same. The points will be distributed as follows. 
major two colon underscore or well lined first place <laughs> dash 680 points all right second we don't place <laughs> dash 610 points third uh, place dash 530 points etc place dash 400 etc period slash sixth place seven 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 points okay we Great. will continue to evaluate the situation regarding international travel for future majors as we progress through the second tour. Okay. One out of 12th January update fixed incorrect point distribution. Okay. They fixed the blog post. Great. Uh, so we're going to talk about it's so hard to digest and like segment this. So that was the initial blog post. They have a response, which I think we talk about a little bit later. Okay. Let's skip that for now because it's. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. The response. Let's talk about the response from people. Uh, I I put down a couple tweets that I saw, and then you and I can respond as well. So Sumail tweeted, yeah. if all the teams decide to not just compete in Season 2, at least we will have some sort of a stable system, either better communication or maybe Dota just dies completely. Either way, better than the current state of things, which is a that might be a bit of an exaggeration, but Pretty understandably, strong statement. very strong statement. Boom. From Team Tickles says, I think that when I'm on my deathbed, looking back at my life, the decision to commit my entire youth to trying to become a Dota 2 Pro will be the worst one I've made in this life. And Ponlo, in this life. That's true. If you believe in reincarnation, which would be great, uh, maybe he'll come back as a puppy. What would you uh, come back as? Probably a cockroach. Yeah, probably. Uh, Ponlo. Go garbage can, but that's not really sentient. Well, you could become the materials that become anyway pon low from quincy crew writes why is the majors prize pool and points not distributed at least partially to the teams that are qualified slash would qualify flew to the other side of the world to play dpc and won, and yet i'm probably going to make like 2k usd for the whole season after expenses obviously there has been and tell me if i'm wrong here cinderin i know there's been some memey stuff like with uh, what was that stupid event? The Halloween Dire Tide, like people in uproar. Mm. It was kind of a meme. This has felt like the biggest uproar I've ever seen in the Dota community. Am I wrong on that? No, I think you're right. I was thinking about the same thing when it happened. I don't think there's been any moment where... So the thing here is across players and talent and community, I think like the shared disappointment here is the strongest we've ever had. And there's... I'm I'm going to try to, this will take a little bit of time because I'm going to try to go over some of the things, okay? So first of all, the situation right now is kind of similar to what happened back at the LA Major that got canceled, but there's a pretty clear difference. I was talking to Cap about this, was that at the LA Major, COVID was still like this new thing and very, there was a lot of uncertainty. People didn't really know what was going to happen. We didn't know the world situation and and how to adjust and everything. Um, so I think back then, canceling the major was a more understandable move from the community's standpoint or from their perspective because there was no reference, right, to what you would do in that situation. Um, that doesn't mean that canceling that major altogether back then was the right move, but it was more understandable with the knowledge and information available at the time. Now, this time around, the thing, there's a couple of things that are different. So the first thing is... To my knowledge, from everything I've heard and read and the people I've talked to, literally nobody knew this major was canceled 
outside of Valve until it got posted. The teams had not been informed. The tournament organizers had not been informed. The talent had not been informed. So literally everyone in the community finds out at the same time that, oh, the major's canceled. For, I believe for the LA major, for example, I think they had been talking to the teams in advance. And this could be wrong, but I seem to remember, or I think there would have been a bigger uproar for the players, that at least there was some sort of, you know, people were in a position where they understood that this could very well be canceled because, like, the underlying problems at the time and whatnot. But for this, nobody knew a thing. It just got canceled out of nowhere. So part of the reason why the players are so pissed and why the talent is so frustrated is that we feel like if we are uh, used as counsel, we can come up with ideas or potential solutions that if Valve don't like them and don't want to run them, that's one thing. But at the very least, we can like brainstorm possible solutions, find out what the fairest thing is, and at least be included in the process so we don't feel like we're literally just, you know, pawns that are acting out some sort of play here. And at any point, Valve just pulled the plug to the whole major and it's, oh, well. You know, like that that voice line from Aghanim's, you know, oh, no, oh, well, you know, kind of like that. Um, hmm, that is what fitting. rubbed the players. That's what rubbed the players the wrong way, is that they, they didn't have any information. And then, because from my perspective, so I, I'll... I wrote my own tweets about this. I'm just going to basically preface them or to try to narrow them down. So basically, from my perspective, what you can do in this situation, the first thing you do is you talk to the players and the talent, right? And include us and be like, hey, guys, it's not looking good with hosting the major. We had an organizer that was going to do it, but they dropped out because of COVID concerns. We understand that's a problem. Like, Omicron is scary. We don't think we can host a LAN. What do you guys think we should do? Or this is our plan as an alternative, or we're planning to cancel the major or we're planning to delay the major, like something, you know? So at least people are aware that this is coming up. That's the one thing. Uh, what I think would be an elegant solution is, let's say we don't get the land at all. Fair enough. There's Omicron, travel restrictions. It might be fucking hard to run it. I get it. Like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with canceling the major. I understand that running the land is really hard. But you could easily, you know, talk to some of the production studios and maybe get, like, an online alternative where... NA versus SA play and EU Western and EU Eastern play and SA, uh, SEA and China play. And then you distribute the prize pool that was meant to go into this major tournament among the regions relative to how many slots they have, and you play for that. You can maybe not play for the DPC points because that the point of that is the cross-regional play and putting the regions against each other, but maybe you could still find some sort of meaningful way to give points that doesn't screw with everything. And if you can't, then that fucking sucks that we're not getting DPC points. But for the players, it's really important for them to be acknowledged for the work they put in and how high they placed in their division and get some sort of potential reward. So let's say you run an online division or an online quote-unquote finals in NASA. The teams that play in this finals or in this final stage are the ones that would have qualified to the major. So from SA, there's two teams, and from NA, there's two teams. And the top seeds have some sort of advantage. Like maybe they've, they start in the upper bracket final and the other two teams start in a lower bracket final, for example. That way, their top placement has paid them one extra round in the tournament and they're guaranteed further progress and more default prize money out of the pot, right? All right, that was a long monologue. You go ahead. Wow. No, I mean, not that I disagree with anything. Uh, I think... Part of the reason people are in an uproar, by the way, when I say an uproar, I maybe should preface a little bit that maybe it's a bit of an echo chamber because we're basing this mostly on Reddit. 
Like we don't know mm-hmm. how this is if affecting anybody like the, in a casual scene, if at all, right? So it's important right. to notate that. Not just Reddit, like social media in general. It's been right. a well, big thing on Twitter. The social well. media that we follow, yes. Yeah. But sure. what I'm saying, it's still in a in a way kind of an echo chamber sometimes. Uh, but mm-hmm. having said that, Reddit is where things get changed. I think that's been proven time and time again, which is why this is an important movement potentially for the future of Dota. I think like the the way that Valve responded, it was very cold. Uh, very, God, what the word I'm looking for is, it's like they're, you know, that awkward person that goes to a party and they just don't know how to interact with people. That's what it felt like. It's like they're missing something important. Empathy. Yeah. Well, that Valve has always lacked empathy, no doubt. But uh, there's there's another thing I'm thinking of. But anyway, it doesn't matter. So they come out with this response and they don't say anything about the money because. This is something that people have been focusing on a lot, and they should. Uh, I mean, players aren't making very much money to begin with in the DPC. We've talked about this so many freaking times with TI. We're not going to do that again. Uh, But now the money from the Battle Pass that is... So correct me where I'm wrong here. Does the Battle Pass do anything for the DPC? No. So the money that was supposed to go to the DPC is just vanished now. We don't know where that's going at all. Um, and you're right. Like I agree with you in that sometimes lands need to be canceled. This is a really bad timing for a land because of the holidays spiking up with Omicron and all that stuff. Having said that, there are solutions, like you said. And having said that, other games are doing just fine to have lands. Valorant's doing it yeah. constantly, and they have zero issues. So this it sounds like there's some legitimacy to it, but it also feels like if Valve put a little bit more effort, then they could get it right. done if they wanted. You're saying they don't have the resources to get a bubble done right now? That's fucking does ridiculous. C- does CSGO also run stuff? They had the huge major in Sweden. Of course, Sweden doesn't right. give a shit about COVID. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just thinking like now after Omicron, if they're hosting something now coming up, I, I think there might be something coming up, but I don't know if it's a Valve event. But either way, if there's another land coming up, that is uh, another Valve title that is having successful events. So why can't we have that? It was kind of the same back with the first TI that got canceled because of COVID. Riot was still running Worlds. They were running it in a totally different capacity than normal, but they were still executing their flagship tournament. Um, And we talked about this way back then, about, okay, was it the right choice? Should Valve have delayed this? Uh, We think maybe it was really important for Valve that it had a big audience because it's such a like the crown jewel in some ways of, of esports tournaments. So they had like really high uh, expectations for it. And then in the end, we did end up getting a TI without an audience anyway. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's easy to say, why didn't you just? But um, well, I think the, the gist of it from a very base standpoint is the communication from Valve has always been awful. So that doesn't really surprise me. It shouldn't surprise you. And you're a very optimistic person in general. But I think it's gotten to a point where this is like, the community just had enough. Uh, it's yeah. It feels like the breaking point to some degree. And now I'm going to follow this up with their quote-unquote follow-up, which is... Okay, I'm just going to read it, and then we can talk about it. The fact that this wasn't publicly posted is mind-fucking-boggling to me. Uh, this right. was written... I don't know, was this in like a Discord conversation or an email to Cyborg Matt? I don't know. Who writes, Valve has provided an additional update to the teams in regards to the Dota 2 Winter Majors. This is what Valve wrote. 
Uh, first DPC major update. We hear your disappointment regarding the cancellation of the first major. We made the decision based on a number of factors, some related to Omicron, some related to travel issues for competitors during Omicron, and some related to the willingness for tournament organizers to run the event. That's a very important thing that I want to talk about. We should have done a better job of keeping you all in the loop about the risks to the event, and we also should have been more willing to take a different approach earlier to find a way to conclude the first season. We apologize for this. We're working on a plan to see if we can get everyone together in one location and play out the tournament on a LAN. Obviously, this event will have a number of constraints placed on it given the current state of the world. We will update you all on or we will update you all as we have something more concrete in place. So I think the initial reaction, even though they do apologize, is still negative to this. Because number one, they don't publicly post this anywhere. It's a freaking private message to Cyborg Matt, which is like the entire antithesis of the problem here, <laughs> feels like. It's like, what the fuck? Like, I love Cyborg Matt. He's one of my favorite people. But they should be publicly posting this shit. And then number two, uh, the fact that they're maybe willing to do a land now, does that mean that they haven't done their due diligence to see if they could have done what to begin with because whether there's a crowd or not i think shouldn't matter for something like this like obviously you want a crowd no, it should have been run but sure. if you can do it without a crowd which is what valorant is doing for an example and since that's the game i'm watching a lot aside from dota uh then do it and then the third thing which maybe this is a separate conversation is willingness for tournament organizers to run the event i know this is true it was tough for them to get people to even do dpc regions i know pgl aren't doing anything for some reason, I don't know what the reason is. So that in and of itself is not a good sign for Dota if you can if Valve themselves are having trouble finding tournament organizers. And having said that, last thing, I know one tournament organizer that is more than willing to do stuff, and Valve just hates them, which is Weeplay. And I don't know why they hate them because they do a really good job. So strange. I I think how to say so. All in all, I. Th- if I were to like conclude on what I think the, the, the brunt of the problem here is, aside from the obvious point being communication, I think Valve seem like at least they're showing, I don't know if this is actually the case, but the way they're communicating and what they're doing here is showing a lack of understanding for how important this is to the livelihood of players, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, from their perspective, maybe a major being canceled is not that big of a deal because... You know, the, the teams that did well still get their DPC points from the regional division, but they don't get to do the major portion, which obviously really sucks. But I think it's impossible to talk about this without talking about the prize pool distribution that we've talked about like 20,000 times on this podcast, but I'll do it one more time quickly. The problem here is when there's so much prize money at TI only, and the rest of the year dwarf is dwarfed entirely in comparison... That means that for the players that don't play at TI, the relative importance of every other tournament is massive if they want to, you know, just make a living. The prize money is exceptionally good for certain countries that have a way lower uh, living standard, or not living standard, but cost of living uh, than other countries do. So if you're, let's say, an American player, playing Pro Dota is really difficult because there's a very big disconnect between how expensive it is to live there and how little money you make playing Dota. Um... And that means that getting to this major is a really big opportunity for you to have financial security and to get some sort of sponsorship support that can fund your team throughout the year. But with majors being canceled, sponsors are very much less likely to get involved. And to begin with, the structure of the season and the reason we have way less sponsor engagement than we do in 
Counter-Strike Global Offensive or in Valorant or this, where some of the really big NA orgs have teams. The only NA org that has a team in Dota is EG. And there's a reason, because the opportunity cost is terrible. You're literally paying for a lottery ticket, hoping your team does well and goes to TI and wins a ton of money so you can get a return on investment. And in every other possible outcome, you lose money. Yep. And the reason you lose money is that instead of this one lottery ticket, you could have like many tickets throughout the year with many tournaments that could have a decent or big prize pool with a redistribution of the structure. And these orgs would be very interested in coming to Dota because they would get more exposure that has value because the tournaments are bigger. They would have a bigger return on investment opportunity because your team has more chances of doing well instead of one big one. You would have more regular content that your production team can use to you know, generate exposure around the team, generate hype, sell to secondary sponsors that, hey, we're playing in these leagues regularly that have a really, you know, big story behind them. And, you know, it's just not there. So yeah. when you do have this one tournament structure, I think Valve's perspective of this, on this is backwards. Because when they're talking to players, they're like, why do you guys need orgs when there's so much money in TI? Right? Like, it almost feels like that's the mindset. Why do you need sponsors and organizations to come in and support you guys when the season is worth so much? But the problem is, the season isn't worth very much. Yeah. The tournament is worth a lot. So, and a lot of the world's best players don't play at TI. I feel like it's the only people, a limited number of teams. And this is the word I was, this was the phrase I was looking for. The people that, people at Valve making some of these decisions that seem very crass and it's, they're very out of touch with how things are supposed to be run, or at least the perception from the community how things should be run. And obviously, we can talk about the TI issue, you know, to death, which we have in basically every other episode of our entire freaking podcast. But uh, it's more than that now, right? It's more than just TI. It, it's a trickle down effect, uh, mm -hmm. and the communication is the number one thing that people are having issue with and obviously people are really angry right now so like all these little things that you know valve promised back in the day are coming up and i think that's maybe a little unfair because not everything is going to be delivered obviously but it just shows how passionate the community is right now and how upset they are <laughs> and uh do you think, think that people... there's going to be a lan now as a result of this outcry uh, being honest, I don't think there's going to be a land, but I think there will be an online alternative. Um, that's what I, th how I think this will end. And to me that if that was what was going to happen to begin with, and it had happened and been organized and been planned, or at least has been like a backup plan if Omicron, cause Omicron isn't like a, Oh shit, there's Omicron. Like, yeah, you've seen this coming, you know, like it, it's one thing that maybe the tournament organizers you had planned with and were already settled in with, let's say a month ago or a month and a half ago, ended up pulling the plug because they were like, we can't run this. Then you had a month mm -hmm. to come up with an online alternative instead of a month hoping that some other organizer was willing to pick up the scraps and you just didn't get any, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's what it looks like or that you just at that point decided, oh, well, and then you just didn't tell anyone for a month until you had to which also just looks bad, right? I think we're going to end up with an online version, which I think, you know, the thing about players is I think they're pretty damn understanding about the problems of COVID. And they're, I would say when it has been events in the past during COVID, the players have been some of the strictest about, you know, sticking to regulations because they want to stay healthy and be able to compete. So mm -hmm. 
it's not like the players don't understand how dangerous and how important this is and don't respect it. And they're like, fuck it, let's just host a LAN, it's just Omicron, you know? That's definitely not the perspective or the vibe I'm getting. The vibe I'm getting is that the players are serious about it, and if we can't host an event, that fucking sucks, but these are the times. Give us something else and to play for. Again, That's having, totally reasonable. having said that, and I know international travel makes this a little more tricky, but every professional sport is going with a crowd. And I'm not saying we even need a crowd. That's just going to amplify things. Oh. And then in terms of just a direct comparison with esports, uh, they're doing the same thing. So I, I just think it's lack of prep, lack of organization, lack of communication, lack of everything, it seems. Just being very out of touch, maybe focusing too much on Aghanim's Labyrinth, which was great. Oh. But... Maybe some resource. I mean, okay. Let's let's finish this conversation up with the usual <laughs> the usual question: Does yeah. Valve need a community manager, Cinderin? <laughs> right. So, will this change anything after so, we talked about this day one of this right. fucking podcast? So the community clearly, like the the again, remember the echo chamber effect. For we should also recognize and remember that for a lot of people playing Dota, this doesn't matter. A lot of people just play for fun with their friends. They're not interested in the pro scene, and there is nothing wrong with that. Like, peace be with that. The large majority of, pl of players in Dota maybe never watched a pro game in their lives, and they're just having fun. Cool. But a really big part of what keeps a game alive and keeps the interest going and keeps, you know, a huge portion of the player base interested and keeps, you know, keeps things moving along is the pro scene. And what the fans that are vocal about this seem to be frustrated with and that the players seem to agree with as well is the fact that there's no there's no structure basically and i don't mean that from a dpc standpoint that the dpc isn't structured it's that there's no how to say like governing body or someone to turn to that will answer your questions and that will help out with problems and that will run this thing it kind of seems like a side project that Valve are running because they, quote unquote, have to in order to execute TI, uh, not because there's, you know, they feel like there's value in it or because somebody is really passionate about it and wants to do it. It almost seems like a job that somebody is just maintaining to the absolute bare minimum when they have to to keep it afloat. It's like a, a boat that's almost sinking all the time. Yeah. Um, now, okay. Having said that, wants no, that's what it is, seems like, and it might not be yeah. true, though. But I'm gonna be try to be devil's advocate. That might advocate. not be true. It might not be the case, but it definitely, even for me, definitely feels that that is the case. Yeah. So that's what the community feels like, and that means there's two options: either the community doesn't understand it, doesn't get it, uh, or it's true. Right. Those are kind of the two options: that either we don't get at all why this is running the way it is, and it's way more complex than people make it out to be, or whatever organization they have running this at Valve just isn't doing a particularly good job, right? Those are, if you want to narrow it down. So what I think, and what the community is obviously asking for a lot is, there's like different suggestions. Like, can we have a, a designated part of Valve? Can you hire people to specifically run the game so that if a lot of the programmers and a lot of the, you know, passionate people that used to do this for the game when it had more... <clears throat> when there was more fire behind it in the earlier stages, which is very natural. Like, people lose passion over stuff. Like, I get it, if if that's the case. Bring people in that are passionate about it right now. Because if there's one thing our scene definitely has in spades, it's talented people that care about this game more than anything else and want it to succeed. So you're not going to be struggling to find people that want to perform this work, but perhaps from Valve's perspective, it isn't worth it. Yeah. And that sucks, 
But then that's why some people like such as Samael's extreme statement where he's like, if we don't play, then what? Are you going to do anything or are you just going to let the game die? And he's like, he feels like in his tweets, like that would be better because then at least we have certainty of what's going on. Hmm. Like then we know that you don't want to run the game anymore. And that's what happened to countless titles in the past, right? Blizzard pulled the plug on Heroes of the Storm. Uh, Han is shutting down entirely and their pro scene diet as well. Now, it's a course that games run, but our community really doesn't want Dota to go that route because we feel like we have a lively game with really fucking good players, really good talent, really passionate people that want to work. So that's what people are crying for, right? Just let people work. They want to. Yeah. And um, a community manager would be one thing. I don't really think it solves the entire problem. Like Then you have someone that the community can interact with and that can tell people from Valve's perspective. But if the inherent structure isn't one that is attempting to run a very See, thriving that's, competitive that's scene... That's where it becomes... Then, like changing you know. some of that stuff is like changing the way that Valve works inherently. So that's why it's way more unlikely. Because there's obviously and some things that we do know about Valve with the infrastructure yeah. that <laughs> they can't just go hire somebody to do a, let's call it a menial task or a menial job mm -hmm. compared to what everybody else is doing because everybody is like an equal entity, or at least that's how their structure is supposed to be, right? So it right. just literally doesn't work within what they have set up, which is obviously an issue. Uh, so somebody very, very high up would have to make some really important changes for something like that to happen, which I think is extremely unlikely. I mean, Valve has shown That's basically no way, of, like, no way to actually change any of that stuff, at least from a public perspective. That's also why some people are just flat out suggesting, look, if this isn't coherent with Valve's running of the game and what they're doing, um, maybe you could outsource it basically, right? Which is what they are doing with the actual running of the event, right? They have an, a partner for the event in some cases, like let's say PGL as an example, where there's a prize pool split and then the organizer is taking care of all the logistics, the communication with the teams, the rules, COVID safety, all of this stuff that you have like a partner that does that for the individual event. But what if you had someone doing that for running the season itself and TI? That this is your product, you own the game, but you could let someone else own finance and run the season. Uh, if there was some sort of structure where you could do that. And yeah, maybe you would still have to chip in a decent portion of the prize pool, but the overall like interaction and interest in the game that you garner from, for example, the TI Battle Pass, I think is a good example of how much inherent value it has to the game itself that the pro scene is thriving. And then... Um, I understand that in the grand scheme of things from Valve, when you look at the bottom line of the year, Dota 2 is not a very big deal. Like, the big deal for them is Steam, right? That's what makes the absolute brunt of their money and their business, and they're out to make money. And I totally get that. Um, so, so if Dota is, like, becoming a side project for them, that doesn't mean it's a side project for everyone else. And there's people that could make it their primary project while they work on the other stuff that they find more exciting, whether that's Steam or the future of AR or VR or, you know, whatever... If they're working on another game, something that we don't know about, whatever it is, like there's people that are hungry to to go and help out with this, and you could you could cooperate with them and still still reap a significant profit that might not be like you know ten percent of your income for the company, but at least not a negative. Mm -hmm. So it's like I just maybe I'm just missing a really obvious downside here to doing it, but I'm just not really seeing it. Like, 
And I don't think there's any shame in it. I want to emphasize that as well. From my perspective, there's no shame in it if people at Valve aren't burningly passionate about this game anymore. Because it's been alive for a very long time, and they're, first and foremost, they're programmers, and sometimes you, just like pro players, quit playing because they lose that drive. Sometimes programmers will work on another project because they don't want to maintain their old game anymore. They want to make a new one. And that's fine. Um, you know? Anyway. Yep. I know, I agree. And yeah, I don't think there's much more to be said. Hopefully uh, this movement continues and that things are improved. I agree that there's probably going to be some sort of online. I know other tournament organizers are trying to put something together, whether they will or not within this very short time frame remains to be seen. But it seems like such a huge waste and kind of a blunder from Valve that, uh, I mean, that announcement just seemed very bad. Very, very bad. That was one of the worst. It's not a good look to say we're canceling the major because we can't run it. And then literally the day after you say, um, yeah. we're trying to make the major happen in some capacity on LAN. Yeah. It's like. That's a very bad look. It's, uh, and the fact that that was a private it. message and not yeah. <laughs> publicly. I don't know, man. Somebody, well, they need somebody running things that uh, understands the scope of what they're saying. I don't know. it Because it, it does seem like certain common sense things from our perspective are being missed here but we'll see okay next on All the right. list you already mentioned that we're doing dpc casting uh we can update people. <laughs> uh we cast yesterday and that was obviously the first time we cast since this announcement and it's like oh, nobody yeah. like uh how much am i supposed to care about these matches now like it's cool to watch like these certain teams play against each other but when there's nothing on the line but now there might be something on the line there might be something on the line so okay. there is something to play for uh, but a couple of notes this one's a little old now but mss is standing in for nightfall for the rest of the season for eg and they've looked yep. way better <laughs> with it it it's debatable how much of that is him and how much of it is the team just growing right but True. They're definitely doing better. I, I don't wanna I don't wanna make Nightfall look bad because I genuinely don't necessarily think that's what's at play here at all. I think the team has just had some time to gel. Players getting more in shape, especially JRX, who needed to warm up after a very long break, uh, is starting to play better individually, clearly. And it's rubbing off on their entire gameplay and their gameplay, and they're getting more crisp, they have better strategy. Um and MSS obviously is doing his part. Like he's he's playing well. I'm you know, he's a player I hold in very high regard, and he's doing a good job with EG. Um, I, I don't know if they would look significantly different with Nightfall, is my it's, point. I it's think. impossible to know, but I'm going to just you go off know. of my radar here with the on yeah. paper. Uh, this yeah. team, even before they played, I'm like, MSS makes... I mean, he used to be offlaner back in the day, really good offlaner. Been playing position yeah. four recently, but he makes more sense to me than Nightfall for the roster. Uh, and then the only question mark now, obviously, MSS is only going to be in for this season. So Nightfall, they specifically say, will be back. So they're going to have potentially the same issue. Uh, even though Jarex is playing better, uh, Jarex and Crit together, I I don't see that <clears throat> making any sense. Two position fours, mm. I don't... But maybe they'll work it out. They are both, obviously, extremely skilled. So we'll see. Uh, yep. And then the final note from the DPC, which I guess next week... Maybe the week after it'll be wrapped up so we can talk about results. Uh, yep. Team No Bounty Hunter has been removed from Division 2 after forfeiting many a time, Cinderin. Yep. Did you cast any of their games? Uh, I 
don't think so. I think I was supposed to maybe cast one of them, but yeah, they got disqualified. Um, I don't believe I cast any of their games. Basically, what it narrows down to is, by the rules, there's a limit to how many stand-ins, how many times you can play with stand-ins, how many you can have, etc., etc. Uh, and one of No Bounty Hunter's players um, is, I don't know if it's semi-professional or like how professional they are, but they play football professionally. Um, yeah and can't attend all their games. And it unfortunately, the match times and everything just overlap too much. And yeah, he's clearly, as one of their, I think their official page is saying, their official Twitter for No Bounty Hunter is saying, it's like, in Division 2, it's not profitable enough that he can just play it full time. So he's obviously holding on to this other thing that he's doing for money. And unfortunately, there wasn't enough flexibility with rescheduling the games in a way that made them possible. So in the end, they had to forfeit uh, the rest of their games by the rules. So... Yeah, it's good that the rules are being, um, you know, like people always be like, man, this fucking sucks. Why is the team getting disqualified? Couldn't we have found a way like disqualification is so harsh, etc. But, you know, they're sticking to a rule book that they have. It's there for a reason. Uh, it's unfortunate that there was no way around this. But for a disqualified team, I haven't noticed any significant like opera or drama about this. It's just a sad situation that this happened to that team. But and it's also a microcosm to a degree of the inherent issue that people aren't able to make enough money playing at this level. Yes, that it is they would clear. Play football instead, which, you know, who knows what he's getting paid for that. If it, but I, The assumption is that he's making something. Why you play football when you can play Dota? Yeah. Why break your brain cells when you can break your fingers? I guess there's nothing to break. But So that's the DPC update. Uh, next thing on the list, very old news now. Uh, Dota Dragon's Blood book number two has been delayed. Cinder delayed. It's coming out soon. <laughs> to January 18th, which is in five days. We had this conversation last week that you guys can't... So uh... <laughs> well, the conversation was basically, if I remember correctly, that it was weird that people were seeing the delay on netflix before any announcement was made by yeah that's Valve, true which it's just people randomly found out <laughs> which again is like how how does this happen so consistently it's like not even surprising but it's just comical now um, yeah. so yeah that'll be out in five days and then we had our we had our theories of why it could be delayed right so we don't think we don't think they're polishing something up because something like this you don't just change in the last two weeks yeah. unless if they at some screening discovered a grave error that has to be edited out, like something that they flat out just can't air because it's inappropriate or because it messes with the age rating or something that Netflix specifically wanted removed because they don't want it on the platform or something. That's one option. The other option is that they're pushing the release date because it lines up better with some sort of plan with Dota. I don't know if that's the case or um, that they're moving it so that it, lines up better with other world events like, you know, real world events like uh, Chinese New Year. I don't think that's the case either. So the most likely situation is that maybe Netflix themselves have wanted to move this for some sort of program planning so that, you know, as Netflix should or well will do uh, is to spread out their content so not everything drops at the same time. So people over time have more stuff to watch and stay subscribed. And maybe other titles that were coming out or overlapping in their like analytics of what people watch, blah, 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 was interacting too much with this. So they wanted it pushed so that it lines up nicer with their program planning for the year. You're missing that's my theory. Do you remember what my theory was, Cinderin? Oh, I forgot. I probably wasn't listening. 
my theory was they're pushing it back just a couple weeks so that people have enough time to forget about how good Arcane was. My God. Oh, yeah. That was a good fucking show. <laughs> that was really good. As much as I hate to say it. Oh, God I, I mean, these two, these two weeks make all the difference. I totally forgot about Arcane now until you mentioned it. You see? You didn't even remember last <laughs> yeah. week, so perfect. Next week on top of that, you don't even remember your own name. Okay, uh, SAP segment. As you guys oh, know, we are partnered. for this one, baby. Let's go. We're partnered with SAP, an enterprise software company that's bringing their expertise via analytics in esports. I am up one to zero. We're not going to pretend ahead of time, Senator. We did this last week that you guys will not see, so we're just going to tell you what happened. I'll let you go first. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, so I asked Shannon the question. I asked him which hero is the most percentage contested since 7.07. And he misunderstood the question uh, and thought it was the most contested numerically, not percentage. So because of that, out of the options I gave him, he chose very wrong. Uh, We're not going to go over what all of the options were, but I gave you four choices, and you, in order, got all of them wrong until you finally picked the correct one in your fourth guess. Yeah. Which was Ember Spirit having yeah. the highest percentage contest rate. That's right, Cinderin. And so, your question was I'm still at one point, still beating him, yeah. by the way. <clears throat> My question was which shard has the highest win percentage when purchased? Meepo and Oracle are at the very top of the top with 75% win rates after purchasing shards. Yeah. Which other hero has the same percentage? And Cinderin also chose every single one incorrect until there was only one option. There was Coddle, which he got incorrect. There was Elder Titan, which he got incorrect. There was Enchantress, which he got incorrect. And then, obviously, the final answer was Tidehunter. And you did a really great wordplay because you were like, which hero is tied for first? Yes. I gave him a hint. I didn't pick up on that at all. It was a very big hint. Uh, But. I didn't give you enough credit that you could think of something like that, so it didn't even man. Appear we so much. we created a lot of inside jokes in that last episode that nobody will ever see. It's a real shame, you know. It was probably yeah. your best performance, like you said. I agree. Uh, all right, we can go on to. So we're both <laughs> both have zero points for that this week, uh, but I'm still winning. Just want to point that out again. Uh, the community question from the previous week was. The number of Divine Rapier purchased in a pro game, the most. And the correct answer, which I believe zero people got, right? Yeah, zero yeah, people zero guessed. Zero people got in the comments. Was A, which is less than 13. The highest amount was actually only 10, which happened twice. Once versus Nip Navi in 2020, and once versus, or once for Empire versus Vega in 2017. And it was not in the game that at least I thought. Which was the legendary Cloud Nine game? Yeah, it wasn't that one. Yep, that one had. Uh, that was really surprising. Actually, I didn't say how many it was. It was thirteen Roshans, but less than ten rapiers. Mm. So, uh, this time around, we're going to change things up for the community question for next week. Everybody, uh, this question comes from <clears throat> Dragni Rake, who asks. What's the most average CS per game among pro players? So we're going to change this a little bit and say, what is the most average CS... Oh, God, who was it, Cinderin? I'm already forgetting the player name. You do remember? Yeah. Who? Ame. Ame, okay. 
what is the average CS per minute for Ame during essentially his career? Because this goes back to his entire career. It's since May 12. So average CS per minute for Ame. So if you guys want to answer in the YouTube comments, make sure to type hashtag SAP esports and then the number. And I would recommend using decimals because it will have decimals. Do you have a guess, Cinderin? I guess. I think we talked about this last week, but no one will know. <clears throat> I think so. I'm actually certain. No. Should I change my guess or should I guess what I did? No, guess, I guess what you what did. I, did. I said 10 with no decimals. And I said either 12 or 13. Do you remember? You said 12. 12 for me. This is average CS per minute for Ame in his career. So good luck to everybody. The winner will get a super shout out. Uh, but of course, if you guys click on the, the link in the description uh, for the SAP stuff, helps us out a lot. Thank you to SAP for providing us with this beautiful sponsorship. All right. Next thing is uh, something this that I'm going to... now. This was funny last week. Now it's even better. This has somehow aged even better now. I'm going to oh, show something goodness. on the video. So if you guys are watching video, you will see this. If audio, you only hear it. I apologize. Let's listen to this and watch. I was wondering if you could help me find my way out. <laughs> I don't think... I regret to inform you that this next test is impossible. Lyco. So first, let's try something easier. Like save your money by switching to Lyco. Oh, you want it easy? You're in the wrong place. <laughs> okay, robotic overlord lady. It was fun and all, but I'm out of here. Well, this is awkward. Put your insurance on easy mode. Switch and save with Geico. Okay. <clears throat> so, for those that don't know what that was, there is an American insurance company, car insurance, called Geico, and they have a very iconic mascot. It's basically in every commercial is this gecko. And they come up with very unique and uh, imaginative commercials, and they do a lot of them. Like, you know how you see the yeah. same commercial over and over and over for some company? This, these guys come out with constantly new ones. It's a portal commercial. Well, I mean, it's a gecko, a Geico commercial, but it has portal, yeah. which means they had to have gotten permission from Valve. Is this Valve marketing, or is this... <laughs> Which is more likely Geico reaching uh, out. <laughs> and was this ad supposed to launch this year or four years ago? <laughs> yeah. But they needed the some time one. to communicate back and forth, and Geico <laughs> finally got their ad. Um, all right, so obviously, like we said at the beginning of this episode, these are things we've talked about before, some of them. Um, so... Like we've had this conversation, it's gonna be it's hard to, you know, talk about things exactly the same way we did that time. But the conclusion ultimately that I think we agreed on was that Geico reached out and got permission to use this game. But then what we were talking about was why they would use this for their ad for TV among all of the video games they could have chosen and why they chose a video game. And what I said that I think you ended up agreeing with at least was from the perspective of you're running an ad on TV and you're trying to connect with an audience that's within like a specific, you're trying to connect with a specific audience that 
interacts with video games. You're already a, a company that makes very creative ads that's like targeting different markets. So you want to make it specifically a video game related one this time. You are targeting an audience that's buying a car insurance. That's probably not 16 year olds. It's probably 25 and up. So mm -hmm. you want to have a game that is recognizable for those people that they will think this is funny and cute and that they get. And that game needs to be able to air on TV without getting flagged and be an appropriate ad. So you can't really use Counter-Strike. You can't really use Dota because nobody understands Dota. People will just be like, what the hell is this? Or, you know, like any sort of other <laughs> Is that, game that Warcraft? Yeah. It's a Blizzard <laughs> like Any game then. that other developers would make. Uh, something like Fortnite is too young. So I actually think Portal was a really good hit here with Geico. If you had to choose a game yeah. to market to 25 and up, uh on your on your car sales commercial or your car insurance commercial that is a pretty good hit for me i think they did a great job with the selection of game and i don't remember if you had another idea they could have done but it's a i think it's very good marketing from their side to choose portal no we definitely agreed in the end uh of course we had a little back and forth with you know is there a possibility valve is working on a new portal and they reached out to geico i think after this week that solidifies absolutely not <laughs> There is no communication with not only with communities that are playing Valve games, but within Valve itself either. So there's no fucking way that Valve reached out on this one. We were entertaining the idea that there might be like some sort of family relation or whatever between Valve and Geico, like somebody's spouse working in the other company or, True, that's you know, like true. family or something. But I mean, aside from that, I don't see or any a Valve employee, here. Valve employee very passionate about their car insurance. They love that little gecko. The gecko is cuddly. He's iconic for sure. Yeah. So that is the biggest fun, Valve marketing thing we've seen ever, <clears throat> other than Dota Dragon's Blood, I guess. Um, so yeah, that came yeah. out of nowhere. I was literally shocked. I, I don't know even know what to say. Okay, next thing on the list, Cinderin, is North Korea. Oh, yeah. A classic <laughs> topic on the podcast. There was a Reddit thread. <clears throat> excuse me. A North Korean defector says that Dota 2 is gaining huge popularity in North Korea. It must and be that, all the advertising. Yeah, C Nat Speak in on Reddit also writes there's a video that he posts uh, among North Korean men in the tw in their 20s they say that if you don't know Dota you're not a man. Uh he says he's curious. I asked a friend of mine who had recently escaped from North Korea. Originally it was Dota 1. But two years ago, the border area between Pyongyang and China and Russia was changed to Dota 2. And because the internet is prohibited in North Korea, five people gather offline to play in a 5v5 format. I don't even know what question to ask you. What are your thoughts? I don't know what to say either. Like it's, <laughs> we, we can't confirm like the credibility of this really, but it, it's, a, it's a fun story, right? Like... It's like given the circumstances that there's no internet and that it's a very, you know, a very restricted country and everything that someone must have smuggled in Dota 2 and apparently became a big thing. And this whole, I don't know what to call this is like a rite of passage for men that you need, <laughs> you need to know how to play Dota hey, to be a real when man. You guys... If you want to think about it, like the, the North Koreans are probably getting the same communication that we are from Valve. So that's at least on <laughs> one level we're the same. You can Maybe. say a lot about Valve, but it's fair. <laughs> it is fair. We are not playing favorites. Oh, God, North Korea. <clears throat> 
So yeah, I don't even know what to say. That's it's cool, honestly. Obviously, that country is uh, fucked beyond belief, but uh, the citizens are kind of imprisoned, I guess you could say. But now they're prisoners of Dota yeah. two in a different way, so it's probably an improvement. Um, yeah, now they can go to low priority in game instead. That's great. Yeah, true. Actually, they can't because they're not playing online. But. Yeah. So they can yeah. flame as much as they want and be super toxic, and they're not going to get punished. Wait, if there's... How do you play Dota 2 offline? I thought you couldn't do that. So there are maybe programs of, that make maybe your... Maybe one of the older builds had offline, some sort of offline like console support. So you're saying you're, you can play... Wait, are they playing against bots or is it 10 people getting together? Um, that's a good question. It wasn't specified. Huh. Yeah, that... Hmm. If you're playing against bots, I think that would be more believable to set up. But There are programs that can mimic the internet, kind of like can trick the game into thinking you have internet and you just have interconnectivity with people that are <clears throat> in the same physical space as you. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they have access to that stuff at all. Uh, but it's all speculation, I, I guess. Okay, next thing on the list is Brood Script has been added to Dota, Cinderin. So, oh, this is some hot news. Yeah, hot week. news. Uh, so there was this. Uh, where, where was this tweet, man? I'm so unprepared now since we've done this already. <laughs> there was a there was a tweet by Immortal Faith. Talking about some mm. replay, somebody was playing Brood, and they're essentially like sending their spiders individually, like in a very obviously scripted way. Like uh, scripted, maybe it's not the right word, but in a way that you shouldn't be able to do it normally in Dota. And he was complaining about right. it, and then within two days, it was literally added to the game. So essentially, what they were doing before is going into like some config file and just adding something, and it allows you to every time deleting you hit, a line, right? <clears throat> something like that and essentially yeah. every time you hit tab it it's like a toggle or something like that where you can either select all yeah. your spiders or individual i don't know the i'm i don't micro at all so i'm not gonna pretend to know what the fuck's Same. going on uh but essentially it was added officially to dota so apparently yeah. not cheating but then we had an interesting conversation of whether you think that it was cheating because you're editing a file which you could right. argue is like a config but Kind of not. It's like in a gray area. Um, and that's where I brought up the example that I think if you want to call this cheating, I, I would say it's a very mild case of it, if at all. Like, I personally don't consider this cheating, but I understand why other was, others would draw that conclusion. The reason for me that this doesn't feel like cheating is it's even if it's a convoluted way you get it running in the game, it's clearly a behavior that is intended because the the game can interpret it that way you know what i mean like so mm -hmm. you can't just go in a text file and edit a line and give yourself a thousand starting gold so you can't just like there's there's way 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 more things in the game that you can't change than that you can change with these files and most of the stuff that you change with the files you change via the game and then when you edit it in the game it just overwrites the file and changes the text in that file that's where it just pulls it from when you boot the game in this case I don't remember if this way of controlling units used to exist and then was phased out when they changed some of the UI stuff 
uh, and then you just needed to kind of be in the know that you couldn't go and change it to the old version or whatever, or if it was a discovery. But the fact that the interpretation for the text file was already programmed in makes it seem like this was something that Valve were intending for players to be able to opt in and out of, and they just forgot to implement it in the game. And now that somebody was mm-hmm. using it, they just officially pressed the button, got it in there, and, and got done with it, right? So I feel like this... It was an interesting discussion that came about from the community as well about whether this is cheating or not. Uh, I think it personally, like I said, it was pretty harmless, but I think it can if be it's in, a bit of a gray area. It is a gray area because if it's in the options, like in the UI, obviously it's fine. If it's a command, I think it's also fine because that's part of it. This one, I wasn't right. trying to remember if it was a command to begin with or if it's just a little text file. Right, that you have that's to what edit. I'm uncertain about. So yeah. the editing of the text file makes it a little. Eh, but yeah, I agree. It's that... technically available to everyone, but it's not inherently obvious yeah. that you can do it. So, so now it is. So that's good. Now it is available. So thank yeah. God for all the brood spammers out there. Uh, all right, that's the end of the Dota sections. Uh, we are actually doing okay on time. Uh, any of these tickle your fancy, Sindarin, for the last topic uh, of the day? I really liked your review last time. <laughs> You want me to review? I, let's just do all this stuff, man. Why not? Okay. It's funny, even though we've talked about it before. So, HDMI. <laughs> let's talk about HDMI, everybody. Woo! Uh, I went on a really hard fucking rant last week that nobody will ever hear, so I'm going to try to replicate that to a degree. I found out some stuff about HDMI that makes me question my entire life, Cinderin. So Yeah. HDMI 2.1 has uh, somewhat recently come out, and I'm going to talk about what that offers you. But first, let me take you back to a time to understand the the progress that HDMI has made, okay? <clears throat> so, for those that don't know, I'm a huge advocate of 120 hertz everything, okay? Yes. Now, the problem is I've been buying TVs, and by buy, I mean like two TVs in the last 10 years that claim to be able to do 120 hertz, okay? And I've always wondered, how do they do 120 hertz? Because they they only have HDMI in the back, which is weird. Because if you're using a computer, as everybody knows, if you're using, this is before 2.1, if you're using HDMI, it can't do more than 60 hertz, so you have to use either DisplayPort or DVI, okay? Those are your outputs, and DisplayPort is like the standard now. TVs, it's been HDMI forever. And every time I've gotten a TV, that says 120 hertz. I look at him like this doesn't look like 120 hertz. Am I crazy? Like how? I don't. I really don't understand. I never really looked into it though. Okay, and they have like this bullshit that you can turn on to make it look like smoothing. It's <coughs> it's called like the soap opera effect. It looks like shit. So I recently found out that HDMI is basically fucking everybody in their own way uh, because of their standards. So TVs in the past have been able to say. We support 120 hertz if the screen itself is physically possible, like if it can actually handle 120 hertz. But it doesn't mean they need to have a connection that supports it, which you would think (laughs) would be the fucking requirement. So until recently, TVs have only been able to do 60 hertz, okay, despite saying 120 hertz. But now... 2.1 has finally arrived with a bunch of new technologies that allow, some of which allow the bandwidth to be increased to allow 120 hertz. But 
What is the problem now, Sindarin? What could the problem be? Well, if you're advertising as HDMI 2.1, apparently you don't need to even use the new technology to say that you're using HDMI 2.1. All you have to do is in the fine print say, we don't support, and then you just put whatever the fucking technology is called, which nobody even understands when they're reading, and you can sell a TV as being HDMI 2.1 compliant, despite it not having literally any features of HDMI 2.1. Fucking funny. <laughs> God, it's so... Like, okay, there's a lot of technology stuff. I'm not going to pretend to be particularly tech-savvy, okay? But, like, just reading and hearing you talk about this, I was laughing. Like, when we <laughs> recorded this last week as well, I was also fucking laughing my ass off. Like, this is so stupid. I don't know what to say. <laughs> So, correct me if I'm wrong here, what the functionality of HDMI 2.1 is, there's like a different, they're like different things that it can support. Yes. One of which is 120 hertz. And if you sell a TV and say it's HDMI 2.1 compatible, you can then specify afterwards which ones of the HDMI 2.1 features it is compatible with. Yes. But you can also sell it as an HDMI 2.1 TV and say it's compatible with none. So yes. you literally and like on top I, I of that, you can, can still say you can do that and still say you're 120 hertz compatible. You can still say that and it not be true. It's fucking insane. I'm trying to like find a good analogy for something else you would do that with. It's like you go to the supermarket and you're buying fruit and you, you get this orange. And then when you're buying the orange, it says may taste like orange. And then when you get it, you can't even <laughs> peel the orange. That's such a terrible example. <laughs> That's the worst analogy I've ever come up with. Holy shit. That's bad. That was really bad. That's, okay, I'll, that's I'll, exceptionally I bad. I can do better. Um, Please, That's do better. why it's so... Okay, there's a reason why it's hard for me to come up with such an analogy. Because it's so f***ing stupid. Like, yeah, what, like, what would you compare this to? I just can't, man. Like, what in the world? You're buying a product that is compatible with something, but it doesn't need to offer the compatibility and you can still claim it is what it is. Right. Like, I don't get it. So what they were trying to do with this, right, which is good, they were trying to give the, uh, the, the manufacturers ways of communicating to the, uh, to the people buying the product, the, um, to the customers that, okay, these are the features we have, but you shouldn't be able to claim HDMI 2.1 unless you, at minimum can perform one of the functions. Because if you can't, then you're doing HDMI 2.0, essentially. You're basically using the upgraded name with none of the upgraded features. Yeah, it's garbage. It's I, absolutely I garbage. I don't fucking get it. So I think my if orange you are, is great. Let's move on. If you are buying a TV and you're trying to get 120 hertz right, ignore the 120 hertz part in the advertisement and ignore the 2.1, although it needs to be 2.1, but look in the fine print to see if they have discluded anything that's a part of 2.0. And then you have to look up what the technology is specifically called that allows 120 hertz to be <clears throat> able to be run. So if you do your research, you'll be fine, I guys. Lord. All right, last Just topic. And then we'll do Patreon mailbag question as well, since uh, I don't want to do redos of yeah. redos again. Yeah. Uh, my review of the Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro. Wait, so, you got both now. <clears throat> yes. Oh shit! Y'all reviewed one of them, as everyone will know. Yeah. 
Let me find my my bullet point list. Here we go. Okay. So I bought a I need to clear my throat. I'm sorry. I need to mute the mic. Okay. Cinder and got to hear that yeah. one. Yep. <laughs> uh the Pixel 6 Pro I purchased uh in October and I went onto the Google store, tried to purchase it for about 3 hours and their store was literally broken. Uh, me and a couple other people were trying to buy it at the same time that I knew that uh, that is. And they they sent me a link to Best Buy, which allowed me to pre-order the Pixel 6 Pro there instead. So I'm like, okay, I'll stop trying on the Google Store instead. Of course, within 10 minutes, the Google Store started working and everybody got their phones in quick uh, fashion. Me, on the other hand, went with Best Buy and they kept delaying it day after day after day. And then about three weeks after ordering it, they canceled the order. So then I went <clears throat> back to the Pixel 6. Oh, that sounds 6. like a major I've been hearing about. <laughs> then I went back to the Google store, purchased it again. It arrived a month later. So I basically got this like December 20th after ordering it in like mid-October. So two and a half months later. Okay. And I received it. And there were some trepidations. Keep in mind my previous phone, which I've had for four years, the best phone I've ever had, which is the Pixel 2 XL. Uh I'm going to give you the pros and cons of the Pixel 6 Pro, Cinderin. Yes. <clears throat> pros. Very fast. Okay. Very fast. Good processor and mm -hmm. all that good stuff. 120 hertz. Very nice. HDMI 2.1 compatible. Mm, probably not, but still does 120 hertz. The updates you get immediately because you're using a Pixel product. That's one of the reasons that I like using it, in addition to me having Project Fi or Google Fi now. The camera, exceptionally high quality, Cinderin. Uh, the mm -hmm. zooms, like even when you zoom in, like you can just tell that you're not losing that much, uh, whatever the f fucking word is. How much quality. does the camera matter for your choice of phone? <clears throat> not that much, because usually the phones are like semi standard. Like right now, the Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro are like trying to compete with uh, Apple products now. So they're like more high end than they used to be. So it is noticeable how much better it is. Uh, I mean, I love right. taking cat pics, so it's important to a degree, but uh, yep. not it's not like a make or break usually. And the battery is very good. It lasts for two days. Very good battery life. All right. The cons. That's a lot of good things. The cons for the Pixel 6 Pro. Very expensive. I say that. It's like $800, but it is less expensive than an iPhone still, the new ones. Right. Uh, too big. <clears throat> Way too big. Every time I was trying to hit the back button, I would hit the home button instead because I don't have gargantuan fucking fingers. Just so average size hand. Pro yeah. is smaller than the phone that is literally called XL. Yes. It's bigger. Sorry. Or bigger. Than the bigger phone. than the XL. Yeah. Even the normal okay. one is bigger than the XL, actually. So way okay. too big. Uh, the fingerprint reader is annoying as fuck. The fingerprint reader is, is on the front of the phone instead of the back, which is what I'm used to front of the phone mm -hmm. it's not nearly as accurate as it used to be i find it way less convenient to use and when i'm in bed at night you know looking at my phone i have to hit it and this blinding fucking light just hits my eyes every time so i think it's just object it's objectively worse than the old one in right. many ways the only way it's better is if you have it face down on the desk or something and trying to open your phone but nobody's a psychopath nobody does that uh, the other thing I hate about it is the back is 
unbelievably slippery. I don't understand. It's like they want you to either buy a case or they want you to break your phone. The back is, it feels the same as the front. It feels Both like- makes the money. What a it, coincidence. It's unreal how slippery this phone is. I don't understand like who in their right mind designed this shit. And the thing that I hated the most about the Pixel 6 Pro is the curved screen. Who likes curved screens on phones? Tell me why. It makes it even more slippery. You can't hold it comfortably. It looks like shit because it literally changes what you're seeing on the screen. Like, if there's text on the fucking side of the screen, it curves. Why would anybody want that shit? It's horrible. Curved screens on phones should be banned. Absolutely atrocious. It was so bad that I did two things. Number one, I did the thing I said I would never do, which uh, technically I didn't. Nikki made me. Got me a case for the phone. I despise cases on phones. It makes it feel cheap. Mm -hmm. makes it feel bulky. I like the way the phone is supposed to feel. But I had to because the curved screen and the slipperiness is just too much to handle. And then the second thing, I fucking returned it because I hated it so much. Uh, I gave that phone... But, but they got you because you bought a case. And you couldn't return that one. That's true. Uh... So out of ten point out of ten horse heads, I give the Pixel Six Pro a four point five. Absolutely atrocious, mostly from a like the slippery aspect. Four point five, just terrible. I mean, we talked about this last week, but the way that I would rate it, if I'm returning something, it's less than a five. So yeah. I have to give it a four point five, just atrocious. So I have the Pixel Six now, which has some of the same issues. It's only 90 hertz, so I do lose 30 hertz. It is actually noticeable, believe it or not. It's not like it's super okay. slow or anything, but no. it gets its updates Im immediately. The battery life's still great. Uh, the camera's still really good. It's not too big anymore. I can actually hit the back button. Uh, it's not nearly as expensive. The back is slippery, but there's no curved screen, so it allows me to not have to use a case. Fingerprint reader still sucks ass, so I'll give this an 8 out of 10. All right. It's solid. So a phone that costs half as much is about twice as good. Sounds yeah. like a bargain. I was really disappointed. What Curve was the screen, price on the Pixel never 6 non-pro? Was it 400? 500? Maybe 500 versus the 8 or 900. Eight. Yeah. So, so almost half as half the price. Yeah. Nice. So yeah, would recommend this one, not the other one. Don't don't waste your time. All right, and then We hate that it's slippery. The fingerprint reader fucking sucks. Recommend it to anyone. Okay, understand. Yeah, you get used to the slipperiness. Just you know, don't drop it. And the I'm, fingerprint. I'm mean, gonna have to get the plan. Do you use the well. fingerprint reader? Yes. What do you mean? That's how you log on. Yeah. I wonder how many people use that. What do you use? Maybe I'm just a boomer. I don't know. What do you use? The you type in the code every time. Yeah. That's annoying. Well, Even I don't. Annoying. I uh, I don't. I don't have a screen lock. You don't lock your phone. Please don't, please don't steal my phone. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, that's a, now that you point that out, that's actually maybe a little bit YOLO. But hey, that's pretty dumb of you. Everything's on my yeah. phone. Anyway, uh, with that, let's do a Patreon mailbag question center from Coco. I do have a lock when, okay, to specify, when you switch the phone on, there's a code. But when it goes to, like, when I just sleep it, it doesn't. Or when, when you just, like, the screen goes black, it doesn't. Isn't when that just the. Pauses. When the screen goes black, that's the same to me as. Switching it off? No, that's two different Wait, things. And it's still you, running. When you say switching it off, you mean literally turn off your phone? 
Yeah, when when it returns to power, you need to log in. But if it just if you just put it in your pocket and you take it back out, I don't need to oh, enter a code. Yeah, that's that's not normal. You should put a code on that. Yeah, that's probably not. All right, Patreon mailback question from Coco Warrior. Hi, Suns fan and Cinder. I love your podcast, and it's one of the things I look forward to every week. My question is, with the way that Valve has been trying to lower skill floor of Dota while maintaining the skill ceiling, what is your opinion on enemy mana bars being shown to the players? Now, here's what's good about us discussing that last week, because a big part of the discussion was us figuring out how we were thinking about it in the wrong way, so we can jump straight to the conclusion. This was something that you thought I would absolutely hate and be hugely against. Yeah. And I am kind of 50-50 because it's very few situations that it truly matters in. We were talking about how you can use like fake casting to make the enemy think you cast your spell, but you can't fake cast. If the mana bar is going down, then they know whether you've cast it or not. And the only spell we could really come up with that is just massively impactful on is Torrent. There's no other spells where you're like, fulfill the entire animation almost, and then don't lose the mana. We're talking about like light strike array, etc. But the actual gameplay difference there is so minor. Because you're like, you're basically about to cast the spell. Um, when Like when the mana bar goes out, the animation's complete. So it's kind of, you know, the same thing. But then we were talking about Anti-Mage where we thought, you know, that would be a pretty big buff to the hero that you can see enemy hero mana all the time, so you can, like, use good mana voids. You could balance around that. Um, I mean, keep in mind, same then, thing was said for the... Remember, in Dota 1... You guys have to remember, we're old school. So coming from Dota 1 to Dota 2, they didn't have, like, the threshold HP ticks. So Culling Blade, having that, means you don't have to click the hero to see how much HP they have. Like, in Dota 1, yeah. they could have 25% HP... That could be a thousand HP. You have no fucking clue, technically. Right. Was just right? You one have to bar. click them. Now you don't have to yeah. look. So this is kind of the same argument. So yeah, you're you're losing a little bit with torrent. You're gonna have to rebalance that a little bit. Han had torrent in the, their game. It was fine. They just sped it up and made it do less damage or whatever it was. So I think this helps and newer I, people. This... And you seem to agree more now. I'm I'm like a fungus growing on you slowly. I'm, I'm less a, I'm less against it basically. I don't think this is a great change, but I also don't think it's downright awful and would ruin everything it would be different i don't know if it would be better it wouldn't be like horrible and it wouldn't be great um i think the situations on average that this will matter the most and now we just highlighted like spells of am and kunkka but for the average game when this matters the most is when you're in teamfight situations and you have information available to you that you didn't before yeah. like if there's a 5v5 clash and you can see the enemy manas then you can know whether you need to be worried about a stun coming in from this hero in 10 seconds without clicking them and checking their mana when you know they just used a spell. Right, uh, but then... To, and in chase situations to identify... But then mana just, replenish stuff comes into play. Like, somebody can just mana boots them and... Yeah, it could really still matter. be like a magic stick. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, I, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be super against it or super for it. I think out of some of the suggestions we've been talking about on this podcast that makes the game more accessible or whatever, uh, this is... This is less harmful to most skill ceiling in a way uh, than yeah, many I, other things that have already been put in the game. So NF3 so. Dota makes a great point where he's seeing he's in favor of seeing mana bar because we already have status duration for stun yeah, silences. That. that has way more impact than the mana bars would. Like not even close. Like 
nine to true. one ratio, like not remotely close. That has changed the game a lot. Bars, that was very controversial. People have just got used to it. Nah, that's I would say that's actually not true. It was controversial for about a week because the way that they implemented it wasn't great. Then then they fixed it, the visual aspect, and everybody was basically fine with it within a week. I remember a lot of. I remember there being a lot of debate about. You know, it takes out the skill of having the feel. You know, the feel for how long your stun is and. Uh, if and that existed and staggering spells properly, etc. If that existed, it was very short-lived. Now, from from my perspective, in a way, the bar is almost necessary because they introduced status resistance afterwards. If they mm -hmm. hadn't done that, you could still argue that if you just took out the stun bar today, people would have a really good grasp of how long their spells last. But nobody fucking knows because people can have any random amount of status resistance now, depending on. What items they've bought, what neutral items they've found, etc., etc. So the game is just built different now around that. And I think the bars just, in a way, the bars, it's not strictly something that lowers the skill ceiling because now that it just makes it more transparent what's going on with your spells. And you can, you, you know, you can be skilled around the knowledge of how long your spells last instead of being lucky because you would never really know with all yeah, of the, the whole the whole argument of the skill ceiling is also kind of ridiculous because there's so many things in dota that have high skill ceiling so many yeah. things getting rid of a couple just to you know help newer players come in seems like an, a win-win honestly like you're not really losing anything with the mana bars like very little I has don't... to be changed my counter argument to this is that I don't think this is impactful for people's enjoyment of the game as a new player. I think I don't think this will matter a lot to them either. So if I just you're think it's like okay. a, so that it's a might, small change in general. If you're a brand new player that hasn't played any MOBA, that might be true to a degree. I can't say because I don't really have experience. I would say coming from Han, that would have been great mm -hmm. for me. Uh, coming mm -hmm. People coming from League, it would be great. I'm pretty sure you see enemy sure. mana bars there, right? Yeah, So you can. I mean, it's a an age-old thing. I don't think this is something that's going to change either. Um, all right, and then a follow-up question from Coco Warrior is, Hi, how come you guys aren't doing any more Patreon questions anymore? <laughs> I laughed just as much at this last week. <laughs> so, you know, it's so, like, the timing of this being after is so funny. So, just to clarify, guys, we do do Patreon mailbag questions. Part of the reason we haven't done them very much in the last few episodes is that you guys haven't been asking very many questions. Or if you have, they have not been aired because they were not suitable or good for the podcast. Um, That's right. They, so, if you want sucked. your question on the podcast and you're a patron, make sure you ask your questions. And we will gladly bring them up. But it's not a guarantee that we do them every episode because patron mailbag comes last. And depending on how much other stuff we go through, we don't want the episodes to be two and a half hours. So, uh, But we do weave them in here and there. There just haven't been many questions in the last month. I guess people have been busy getting fat over Christmas. That's right, myself included. All right, that brings us to the end of the second version of episode 134 of We Say Things. Next week, Yay. you can look forward to us talking about Wordle. I can't wait to talk about Wordle with everybody. Till next time, oh, Suns fan and Cinderin signing out. Goodbye. We say things that Subscribe. don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Yeah.